It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with Southern Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav Back after a defeat for the first time in what feels like forever, we did lose. We yeah, we lost to Cardiff, unfortunately. But you know, we have to turn up when we get beat. And me and Chris are here. You all right, mate? No, I'm not. I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm just, just, well, just dawned on us what, what we've happened. both done a decent job of avoiding it, haven't we? For most of the evening, and then sat back down to do this and reminded ourselves of the game and how we yeah. lost and all the rest of it. So, yeah, we don't want to um, depress people into turning the podcast off now, but unfortunately, yeah, we're here and we'll have to talk about Sun and losing. Never mind. Yeah, it's my fault. It's my fault. I, I backed us to win, and I never backed us to win, and I did it, and I said it would be comfortable. So it's all my fault. Everyone can blame me. I'm giving a shout out to my mate, Crooksy, who came today with us again and hasn't seen Sunderland win since before the pandemic. Oof. Before the before the COVID pandemic. That was the last time he saw Sunderland win. He bought a season ticket this year and all of us groaned. <laughs> oh, no. Because his record is shocking. And um, before the game, my dad asked, is Crooksy coming to the match? I said, yeah. And he went, tell him to piss off. He's not allowed. Um, There's always one. And he got, yeah, and then he got stick when he come in the pub before the match. And then, uh, yeah, when we went behind, everyone just looked at him and was, you know, just it's his fault, isn't it? You've got to blame somebody. You'll have to take, you know, tie him up to some railings or something next time he goes. <laughs> just leave him, pick him up after the match. Just ban him. He's not allowed anymore. I'll not give him a lift. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we lost to Cardiff 1 0. And when I was walking out the ground, I turned to my mate and said, you know what it is? I wish we'd got battered. Because it would have been easier to take if we'd lost two or three nil than losing like that. And it, it it doesn't happen often, but to totally dominate a game like that from pretty much start to finish and then give away a really sloppy corner. And do you know what it is? Again, all the lads I was with, we just looked at each other when we gave that corner away. <laughs> and I actually I hold my hands up, I said this. I said we're gonna we're gonna concede yeah, it's written it, you can just tell it's coming. We knew it was coming, and then we all just looked at each other and threw our arms up. Not one of us was surprised because it just felt like that was the kind of thing that would happen after not taking our chances that we would that we would concede a goal in that way. Like I say, we'll get into the performance and all the rest of it, and naturally we're disappointed with with losing because really we didn't deserve to lose. I don't think the team will, will dwell too much on it. I don't think Tony Mowbray will because there were a lot of positives to take from it, but it's just. Tough in it. It's tough because of the way we did it, Chris. I, I mean, like I say, it's it's hard to take defeat, anyways. But then to get beat when you've been so on top is really sore. Well, I mean, let's get one thing straight. You've been there plenty of times when we've got absolutely thumped. You know, three, four nil down by half time. And I'm thinking, I think like the was it the Villa game at home or the Palace game yeah, at home? I left early. Yeah, and well, that yeah. one, yeah, so, left early from both ends. So if you think how you felt in that game compared to this, I mean, uh, this is this is a completely you know. Uh, you say you you'd rather get battered, but <laughs> but uh, but to be honest, like you know, this is just one of those days. Yeah, and and I mean, like you said, we'll we'll get into the performance and all that sort of stuff, but. Just the whole thing, this whole scenario, and we talked in the preview about uh, last year against Cardiff, and this game reminded me of, on so many occasions, that this kind of happened last season. It was so similar. I mean, and mm-hmm. and, and 
we again we talked about the Southampton game and it happened on the opening day in a certain way against Ipswich where we were dominant with the ball. We had all of like loads of possession. We didn't really kind of force the issue, create really good chances. And it's happened again. And it's what's one of those days and you know, I kind of it's one of these lessons we need we really need to learn from from last season. And I think we're getting there. You know, the Southampton game proved that coming from behind against Rotherham kind of proved that to a certain extent. But in this game, in the Ipswich game, it's kind of half our home game so far. We're repeating the same state mistakes from last season and we'll, we'll get into the hows and whys. But, uh, but yeah, it's slightly concerning that we haven't fully got over that form from last season and it looks like, uh, it looks like we're tripping up again in games like this. Yeah, there was a tweet put out by Cardiff at half-time, obviously just saying half-time were level. And the replies are really interesting because it's just full of Cardiff fans talking about how good we are. Sunderland are crazy good. Sunderland are decent, aren't they, Christ? Sunderland are very good. You know, that, that sort of thing. Keeping a draw, lads, it would be an incredible point. You know, that was really, to be honest, that first half, that was when we needed that one-goal lead to go into the break and... Yeah. They had something to do. I think they like like Tony Mowbray said after the game. I think they came for a point, and when they got in at half time, and um, I think they had a, they had like a guy go down a few minutes before the break, and it what it did is sucked all the momentum out of the game. We just had a really good chance. We didn't take it. Somebody went down for a couple of minutes, and it sucked all the life out of the game. And Cardiff got in at half time at nil nil, and I just think it gave them something to cling on to, didn't it? And it meant that yeah. it meant that it was going to be difficult for us in the second half. Oh, look, I mean, throughout all this, I mean, we'll talk about Sunderland, obviously, but you've got to hold your hands up and talk about Cardiff because Cardiff came here with a game plan. They kind of executed it to perfection. Um, I wrote after yeah. the notes after fifteen minutes. I was talking. I was writing things like they were slowing the tempo right down. They were slowing the game down. They were frustrating us. They were patient when they had the ball. They were just trying to keep it. They weren't necessarily trying to kind of force the issue. Um, they didn't look like they didn't threaten our goal at all. They didn't even have half a chance in that first half. But they, they didn't really care. Their, their game plan was to stay in the game and basically to keep it, well, ideally to keep it level for as late as possible and then get that one chance and take advantage of it. And we, mm. we hand, I mean, again, we'll, we'll come on to it, but we handed uh, that chance to them on a plate by giving away that corner. But in that first half, especially the first half, Cardiff's game plan was to, to frustrate, it was to niggle, it was to get the referee to blow his whistle, it was to be stop-start. All they needed to do was watch games, watch all of the games. If they watched all of the DVDs from, you know, all of the, the, the games from last season, our home games, and analyse them all, then that's the game plan they would have come up with because we, we kind of tend to struggle when we can't get into a rhythm. And again, in the preview, I mentioned about the early goal. The first goal, we are at home. This team needs to score the opening goal and go ahead. Because if we don't, the longer the game goes on, the more we get frustrated, the more we start taking risks um, and then giving that chance away. And that's that's exactly what happened. But again, going back to those comments of those Cardiff fans talking about how good we were, we, we didn't, and I'm repeating myself from last season, but we didn't really create like a, a, a fantastic chance. We didn't create that. We didn't create a, an opening where in that first half, and I've got half chance here, the, the job header. I've got the Clark where he beat a couple of players and made the keeper made a save. I've got the 0-9 ball over the top to Burstow. Um, the, when Barb did the pullback, but they were all half chances. None of them were kind of, you know, none of them were that chance where we're, we're both sitting here thinking, oh, well, he should have scored that. None, we didn't have a chance like that. And we didn't create anything clear cut. Yeah, there was maybe that one. The one that comes to mind is Roberts in the second half. Yeah, where it's a nice little bit of football, and he's he's about ten yards out, and he, I think he should do better. But yeah, you generally you're right. We had a lot of half chances. But we're talking about going in goalless at half time. We're talking about that first yeah. half, and and just right, in that yeah, first yeah. half, it was it was frustrating because. Those Cardiff fans were right that our play was really good. We were fantastic on the ball. Mm-hmm. Dan Neil, Dan Neil. I mean, that was a that was a Premier League midfielder showing how good he is in the Championship. Yeah. What Dan Neil did mm-hmm. in that first half, he was unbelievable. He just dictated the game. He just yeah. Yeah, absolutely just managed. He was he was the, he bossed everything in midfield. He was he was the pivot. Everybody, the ball went to him. Everything came from Dan Neil. 
but f- and our play was fantastic when we were just knocking it about. But the problem is there was there was hardly any end product. You can go back to podcasts last season and we were saying the same things in home games. There needs to be an end product when we're that dominant in games. Does it concern you a little bit with the way that we're sort of like, again, dominating, particularly the last three games I'm talking about, dominating the ball and, you know, we won the, the two prior to this one, but not really any of that play involving a centre forward. Because Burst was on the pitch, we're dominating the ball, we're getting balls into the box, we're, like you say, we're getting it wide, we're pulling it back, but none of this is, we're not talking about Mason Burstow, we're not talking about, oh God, Burstow had a great chance. It's like, yeah. it's almost as if he's not there. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's, it, this almost sounds daft to say it, but have we forgot how to play with a striker? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you go back to the opening day of the season against Ipswich, everyone was talking about like analysing Hamia's performance because we were so dominant and he hardly had a kick. And then this is our fourth home game of the season and we've got a different striker up there and we're talking about exactly the same type of game where we've dominated the ball. Mm-hmm. We've been we've been the team on top and our striker hasn't had a kick again. And, and a, you know, the only time, there was only once or twice where actually somebody looked up and looked to play him in. And I'm, I'm thinking of that or nine ball over the top. That was really close to him. He just couldn't pull it down and get that kind of t- first touch right. Um, but that's about, thinking about it, that from memory, that's about the only time we kind of looked for him on the on the shoulder of the last man to get him behind. Um, other than that, we did, we did our game plan from last season, which was going, you know, from side to side on the edge of the box a little bit, looking for that runner. But we didn't have that runner enough. I mean, I think, uh, one, I think on one occasion it ended up being Nal Huggins being that runner who got him behind yeah. on the on the left hand side. But it needs to, you know, we need to think about slipping that striker in. But the way we the way we go forward, especially at home, and if Cardiff set up the way you know that that teams do when the two put two banks of four in front of the from the edge of the box, we are sometimes too slow to to kind of get up the pitch and we let them kind of settle into their defensive positions and then we struggle to break them down. We we, mm-hmm. we almost need the few times we caught Southampton on the break. I mean, that was perfect, but we need a plan for sides who don't come out, who just are happy mm-hmm. to sit there. Um, and like you said, it, it has to involve the striker. Yeah. Kieran Race has tweeted us and said, someone needs to tell the lads it's all right to shoot sometimes or cross a ball <laughs> in. Had Burstow and Bellingham in the box, uh, then Samedo, who's six foot four, and didn't get a ball lifted in. We played lovely football, but even the best teams recognise when something else needs changing in games. And that was the big takeaway I had like after the subs, and we'll get into that in a bit more detail in a bit. But it, we, we were almost guilty of overplaying it at times, and you just wanted somebody to... You know, normally it's Clark like who who'll cut inside and get a shot away. And I know it's tough when you're playing really against two banks of five, yeah. but at the same time, I'm I'm looking and thinking, just someone shoot, just do something different. Like we don't need to over. Like I feel like I'm nitpicking because generally, you know, if we'd played like that against almost any other team, we would probably probably scored two or three goals. And I, I don't want us to change too much. But you do learn more from your from your defeats than you do your victories, and. Yeah. For me, it it was more that, you know, sometimes in a game you need that plan B, you need to change it up. The plan B should be having a centre-forward on the pitch. It should be getting balls wide, crossing it, trying to, you know, when they've got spells of possession, getting it up to the centre-forward who can hold it up and bring people into play. There was there was none of that. And I'm, I don't know whether that's more of a reflection on Burstow or Hamia or whether it's a reflection on just the, the, the rest of the players and the fact that, we found a way of playing which works. It's it's worked this week. We beat a team just a few days ago, yeah, and it's but... like how 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 do you get out of that mentality of playing that way, even when the game isn't going the way you want it to? Which it wasn't in this occasion. Yes, we had lots of the ball. We, we were creating quite a lot of chances, like you said, um, half chances. But at the same time, we we got to a point in that second half where it was fairly obvious it wasn't working and we need to try something different. And although we made a lot of changes in terms of substitutes, the player didn't feel like it was any different. We were still doing the working it side to side thing around the box. And, you know, that was the, that was the frustration for me in the end coming away. I would, I would have been frustrated if we'd had a point, to be honest, if we'd come away and we'd only drawn that game, I would have been frustrated. 
But I was even more frustrated with the fact that we lost and we still didn't score a goal because we it was just too much of the yeah. same thing for me in the end. Yeah, you're you're right, but it, it's got to be. You know, you talked about um kind of crosses and shots. Obviously, you know, you need them to you need to get the ball. You know, near the goal to to, to score. To, you know, that's it's uh, it's not rocket science, but it's it's the type of it's the type of cross because there's no point in knocking it out wide and just lumping it in the box because Cardiff had big huge units at the back. So yeah. we, we we weren't going to be kind of dominant in the air, you know, if we just threw balls into the box. But it was it was balls, like we needed to get in positions. Like I remember Barr had the ball down the right-hand side and he played that ball right in behind the defence, in between the defence and the goalkeeper that Burstow was about five yards away from. And if Burstow maybe should have been more on the kind of, on the shoulder of the last man to to be in a position to kind of take advantage. But it's those it's those sort of balls we needed to, to play in rather than to just get it wide and knock it in and kind of hope for the best. It needed to be when you drag the opposition out. And one thing we didn't do a lot last season, which at home, which we did away quite a lot, is is tempt the is tempt the opposition out a bit. So, you know, instead of them sitting on the edge of the box is to is to kind of almost try and tempt them out and work the ball so you pull them out of positions. But we ended up getting five, ten yards outside of their box where they were just quite happy to sit. And the other thing that we didn't do enough either was, um, which, which in fact we did against Southampton, was when Cardiff actually pushed on a little bit and had half a chance or got a corner or something like that, to see that as almost an opportunity, that there's the space mm. now, that they're not locked into their positions on the edge of the box, and to get the ball forward quickly... But I, I, I don't think we did that enough. We we kind of, we, we played some lovely stuff, don't get us wrong. But for me, I, I just think, especially at home, the tempo needs to be quicker to get the ball forward quicker in the final third so they can't set up. But if you take your time and play the fo- ball forward slowly, that gives the opposition all of that time as you're doing that to just settle in, get in position, right, okay, we, we know where we're going to defend. We're on the edge of our box. We know what we're doing. You need to catch them off the hop when they're out of position, so that they kind of there's a bit of panic and there's a bit of chaos, and you need to do things yeah. a bit quicker. And I mean, how many times last season as well did did those quick one twos? You know, Ahmad Roberts on the edge of the box, quick one twos to to kind of split. You know, to take two or three players out the game, and we didn't do that enough. And maybe once or twice, Clark and Huggins look like they've got a decent kind of relationship going on that left hand side. And that sort at times it looked it looked almost there where they were doing it a bit quick and they were playing one twos, but it didn't it didn't happen enough and especially in that first half. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm looking at a list of chances that I wrote wrote down, and it just wasn't enough. Like I said, I, I think the best chance was that one where, um, like I said, Bar and Job and and actually talking about one twos, it was Bar and Job. They played a one two. Bar got in behind. He pulled it back, um, and I think it was uh, Pritchard and it got deflected wide. Um, but I think that was our best chance of the first half. Yeah, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the negatives and there's, there's other stuff we need to go into, but it wasn't all bad as well. You know, it wasn't all bad. We mentioned Dan Neal before. Dan Neal, for me, he, 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 he didn't maintain the levels right the way through the game, but that's about as complete a midfield performance as I've yeah. seen from him. Yeah. I thought he was, I just thought he was outstanding. Some of the stuff he, Some of the stuff he's doing at the minute is Premier League. Yeah. Like some yeah. of those touches, some of those flicks, just the way that, like me mate was comparing him to Jordan Henderson, but not the Sunderland version of Jordan Henderson, like that, the, the Jordan Henderson who sort of captained Liverpool to a lot of success. And the way he just held the middle of the pitch and was yeah. spraying the ball around and like, I think you, you call him the pivot. That's probably very accurate. I thought Niall Huggins had his best game in the Sunderland shirt. Although there were aspects of it where I'm like, just use your frigging left foot. But other than that, you know, he, he had a he had a good game, and um, I think we we missed him when we took him off, and you know, we'll get onto that in terms of the way the shape of the team went to shit. Mm. Similarly, Job was brilliant for me. I, I, some of the things, so it, do you know what I like about him? He's eighteen year old and he doesn't make mistakes. Like you don't you don't watch him and think oh god he made like like what most kids would do in a game make like two or three mistakes and you sort of write it off oh they're only eighteen year old you know that is what it is he doesn't do any of that nothing yeah. it, it, it's like he's he's pretty flawless like Job in the way he plays he, he plays passes with pace 
Like he zips it into people's feet. There's none of this like hitting a ball five yards short or five yards too far ahead. Everything's like accurate into feet with pace and I, I, just, I just really like him. I think he's a lot... I actually think he's a lot better than what I was expecting. And I, I wasn't really sure what I was expecting. I think some of the expectation was dampened by the, the comments of Birmingham fans and stuff when he arrived. But for me, like... He's just a good player, isn't he? And he's only going to get better. He's getting better every single week. Around the rest of the pitch, we weren't. We, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't like the other night where you could go through the whole team and pick out people. But I thought Bar had a decent game. It just seems a bit ironic to me that we made four subs and three of the players who came off were probably three of the best players. And 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 I guess in a way, you know, in, in my opinion, it was the fact that some of those players came off. Why why we didn't get that goal at the right at that moment in the game. I just I didn't understand the particularly job. I didn't understand bringing him off for what I've just said. I thought he had a great game. I can sort of see the understanding behind bringing off Barr, who again I thought played really well, but he was playing well and I thought we looked more of a threat with him on the right. And I thought maybe if you bring on Roberts with him, the they work quite well together. That might have been nice and I thought Pritch was was struggling to be honest and I thought maybe he would have been the one to come off. And then the Huggins substitution felt like it was done just on the flip because we we'd already conceded we conceded the goal, and I think he was going to bring Pritchard off, and you know Rusin's already stand there ready to come on, and he brings off Huggins, which just you know you fair enough you're going for it, but then really if you look at the game as a whole, Cardiff should have scored two goals because we didn't have a left back on the pitch, and if we'd been sat here talking about a three 0 defeat we would have really zoned in on that decision to bring off Niall Huggins. It made no sense, really, other than to say we were going for it. But it was at the risk of the shape of the team, and I think we were very lucky in the end. So, I mean, I'd just get your thoughts on their performances, really, and the decision to bring them off, because, like I say, three of the better players on the pitch for me, and I don't think we've looked any better for taking them off. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you start, start with Job. If, if, you, if you'd never seen him play before... And somebody pointed him and said, "Oh yeah, he's he's twenty six year old, um, you know, and he's <laughs> he's played in the Premier League and we bought him for eight million or something." You go, "Oh yeah, yeah, fair enough, yeah, mm-hmm. make, that makes sense," um, because he's he's fantastic in the way he's slotted in. And I mean, it's just, I mean, I can't tell you how old it makes us feel that he's just turned eighteen. What <laughs> in the last few days? I mean, it's absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. But that, like you said, I mean, you're absolutely right. He he never gives away possession. I mean, he and and he's 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 decision making as well. He always he always knows when to play it simple. If he's in a bit of trouble, he plays it simple. If he's got a few yards, he uses it and then plays a ball forward. But he always seems to make the right decision. And like I said, that obviously kind of runs in the family because you know it's the way kind of Jude Bellingham plays. You know, he doesn't he, he takes risks when it's worth taking, and you know, and all that sort of stuff. They've just got naturally good uh, decision making. I mean, and, and just on his substitution, I mean, I was thinking about this because you're right. I mean, if if you just taking you know, if you're just taking this game into account and saying, we're trying to get a result, there's half an hour to go. And remember, it was still goalless at that time. And if you, th- and, and yes, I would have, I would have went for Pritchard as well. I would have brought Pritchard off and kept uh, Job on. But when I, when you kind of think about it, like Joe Bellingham started every game for us this season. And he's just, I know, and he's that, just I, turned I did, it in. I did think that when he came off, but I'm just, it was the way he'd been playing, Chris. I do get that, but. But he's he only started like twenty games last season, and he's pretty much his first breakthrough season for Birmingham last season. Mm. And he started seven games, and this is the third game in seven days. And I wouldn't, I'd be amazed if actually last season he did that for Birmingham. He played kind of three games in in a week. Um, I, I'm sure they kind of rested him. And I'm I, I'm also convinced that this wasn't the plan. At the start of the season, I don't mm. think. I think when they talked to to Joe Bellingham when they brought him in, there was. I don't think they were saying, "Oh yeah, you're going to play 45, 50 games this season." That wasn't the plan. And as but you know, as good as he is, you want you want to do that. You want to play him every game. You want to play him ninety minutes in every game. But you just wonder if in those situations he's played three games in a week, and actually he looked. I mean, a lot of the players looked knackered at the end against Blackburn, and actually. And I did wonder whether he'd rest a few for this game and change it up a bit just to freshen it up because a lot of them looked knackered at the end of that. Bar looked shattered at the end of that. He looked gone. 
Um, and Job was one of them. He looked absolutely, his legs had gone by the end of that game because they'd worked so hard. Um, so I did wonder whether he changed it up and I was surprised he kept with the exact same 11. So I'm just wondering on the hour mark, still goalless. And actually to be fair as well, and and look, I would have I would have picked Pritchard as well, but Oshish actually looked dangerous when he came on. He looked lively, um, so he, I I didn't mind Oshish coming on. I think he livened the game up and he had a, he brought a bit of energy to us in the final third where we needed it. And Roberts did as well, alone. Nothing really came off for him, but but yeah. So in that in that sense, if if it was something to do with that, then maybe there's a reason. But just in pure football terms, yeah, you can't argue with that. It should have been, you know, Job shouldn't have been brought off. The the Huggins substitution, I'm fine with that. That was the last roll of the dice. Look, we're behind at home, like 87th minute, few minutes to go. Look, you know, why why not? You know, just roll the dice. Let's try and get a result. You know, you know, I've I haven't got much of a problem with that. Yeah, you could argue was Huggins the right person to come off? Was he not? I don't mind. I was, the, I was thinking just after the mistake Hume had made. Yeah, maybe yeah, would have brought that's him fine. Off. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. but but I, I don't mind bringing you know a few minutes ago at home losing. I'd rather us throw the kitchen sink at it and lose three 0 to yeah. then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hemiya Burstow one that also made sense because Burstow was you know he was getting frustrated and and he needs minutes as well. I don't think he could do a full game at the minute either. Did did Hemiya's starting position seem weird to you? He seemed to be deep. No, he, 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 what he did was, and I think this is this is him being a little bit desperate. I think he just went hunting for the ball. I think I think he, what he'd done was, in his previous performances when he'd come on, he tried to steer that kind of furthest point on the last man, but he didn't see any of the ball. So I think in this game, he just thought, sod it, I'm going to go looking for the ball and like make myself available. <laughs> um it's because, like, you were absolutely right. He he kept dropping deep uh, for the ball, but I think he just wanted the ball. And I think if he stood up front, he just thought, "I'm not going to get it here. I'm not going to get across. I'm not going to get." So I'm 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 going to drop in and shout for the ball. So I, I don't think that was instructions either, because um, at times he, he kind of looked completely out of position. He was on the halfway line at at some points, kind of almost like a midfielder asking for the ball. Yeah, well, that's what I'm, that's what I mean. That that made us think it might be tactical, um, but I don't know. I don't know. It, it just seemed a little bit strange how deep he seemed to be. You might be right. It it, it just seemed yeah. to me like he just he just got fed up and wanted the ball, so he went looking for it. He, mm. he just dropped. <laughs> yeah. What about Rusin? I thought he looked all right in the in yeah. the moments he had. Uh, yeah, hard a, to a, tell. A lot of people. A lot. It's it's strange because you know a lot of the we put a tweet out asking people just to drop some comments and all the rest of it for the pod. A lot of people impressed with what they've seen mm. from him, and it, it was you know only a very brief cameo, but. If you can have left an impression on people after losing a game in in just a short space of time, it certainly um, certainly bodes well. And I know I know Mowbray's been quick to point out that he's going to take time to adapt because there's a bit of an issue with the language. But if the other strikers aren't quite cutting it at the minute, and this lad's coming off the back of a, you know, he's a lot more experienced than the other strikers we've got. And in my opinion, based only on what I've seen in sort of highlights videos from, from and not even highlights videos, I've watched full games of when he played for the team in Ukraine. But he's very much that type of forward who likes to get on the ball and link up play and drop in. And he's more like what we've already got, basically. Mm. You know, does it matter so much that there's an issue there with communication? If he's better than the players, if it makes more sense to have Rusin in that position, can you say Mowbray playing him there well, sooner rather than later? Well, let's get something straight. If you're watching full games from the Ukrainian league, you've got far <laughs> too much time on your hands. I'm so blaming we... Andy. Andy, <laughs> who, SAFC source, who people don't know Andy, who does our ratings and stuff. He goes hunting for these things and Wait. sends them in our group chat and I end up down a rabbit hole and end up watching them. Well, yeah, um, I, I need all, I need all the time, all the spare time that you've got. Cause, uh, <laughs> but... Uh, but no, I don't think so. I think you know, for a while, to to be honest, you you watch you watch players in training and things like that, and you, you know that once once they've got that football and kind of link and they know that they know they're playing with a decent player, like you, Ahmad and Roberts when they were linked up last season, it wasn't because they were talking to each other all the way through the game. I don't know. Roberts had a had a couple of months in France before he joined us. You never know. Might have picked up the lingo and all that. <laughs> but, but yeah, but when they're in the middle of a game, when when one passes yeah. the ball to the other, 
because the other they, they know they know the other one's a good player and they know exactly yeah. where it's going to go. And it's that sort of link. And Rusin will be the same. He'll link up with you know. He'll get partnerships going, but uh, he just needs minutes on the pitch um, because you know these things don't necessarily click in training. Sometimes it just happens mm. happens in games in in the link up. But uh, but yeah, I mean uh, I mean we should we should as well because I mean Rusin does look sharp. Um, you know, he only had five minutes, but it did remind me of the the kind of cameos that Oshish had. Um, you know, QPR. Um, he came mm. on and and that and looking sharp and looking energetic and looking up for it. And Rusin looked the same. But I mean, we should really talk about Burstow and and his performances because I mean, we've played with two strikers so far this season. We've played with Burstow and we've played with Hamia, and they've both ended up in the same place. Like both being young lads frustrated that they're not getting the ball, and you've already said that is is it the way we're playing, and we we just we can't. It's not our game to get it to that last man who's yeah who's on the you know is off or playing off the shoulder and and doing that sort of thing, and and as you said, <laughs> Rusin's not that player. He's not. He doesn't seem like the same as those two where he mm. he kind of plays a little bit deeper, and you wonder if that was part of why Hamia did what he did when he came on. Um, that mm. he wasn't playing as that striker. Maybe they're trying to do a bit more in training. It makes me feel like sooner rather than later we're going to see Rusin start in games because we clearly need, we, we feel the need to have someone in that position who's got a, a goal scorer's instinct. But at the same time, it can't be at the, yeah. the, the structure that we've built and the way we play. We can't substitute any of that just to shoehorn a forward in who doesn't really fit the system. Yeah. And I feel like that might be what what's happened here is that we've developed a style of play which is it's very good, and there's no way we need to compromise on that. Like there's no, there's no way I would be changing that, but at the same time we're back into a corner slightly because we've you know people have complained for long enough. Yes, we needed strikers through the door. We found some, but the style of play would have to change. You would think to bring those players into a, into a place where we're getting the best from them. And and the other thing we haven't really said about Burstow, which I, I do think needs to be said, he ain't our player. Mm. And it's like he's had three starts now and I would I don't think he's done enough to, to start on Friday. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking we've got Rusin, who's our player. We've got Hermia, who's our player, but perhaps not quite as suited as Rusin to the way we play. Roberts isn't starting games and Roberts is a very important player. And I don't know whether Mowbray might look at it and I don't know what the I don't know what the agreement is with Chelsea with Burstow, but are we, are we obliged to play him? I, I don't think we'd back ourselves into a corner like that, but I, I, I kind of feel like, and this is just me being very harsh maybe, and I know he's a young lad and all the rest of it, Burstow, but I would personally, I would be more inclined to persist with our own players, especially if it makes sense. And long term, I think playing that link up type of striker like Rusin maybe is, and apparently that's what my end does like, and we still haven't seen him. Yeah, I, I would be more inclined to think that's the best way forward. And I think on Friday, that might be what we see. I think we might see. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised based on that little cameo and then a good week's training. I wouldn't be surprised to see Rusin start because who could make a convincing case to start Burstow again? Yeah. There isn't one really, is there? He's He's done okay, he's worked hard, but he hasn't done enough to say he should be starting on Friday night. And just because he's a centre forward, that doesn't make it. Any, any player on the pitch, if if they don't play particularly well, we should be looking at the other options and thinking, right, well, is it time to bring this player in? Is it time to bring that player in? Like if Pembelia was fit, that you know, you might you might be thinking, should he be coming into the team? If Mayenda was fit, you know, it, it doesn't matter who it is, what I'm saying is, is that that's why you've got a squad. That's why we've got competition. That's why the club have invested in players this summer to bring them in to to give us options in the team. Uh, and you know, on Friday, I would I would definitely be looking to change some something in that position. And based on what I've seen in the last few games, well, to to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if 
he he dropped Burstow and didn't go with a striker and brought Roberts in and then have like a mm-hmm. fluid fluid front line of Roberts, Pritchard, Job, Clark, Barr, having those, yeah. having and, those and, five and I players. Be, I wouldn't be bothered if they did that either. Yeah. I, you know, I've seen us play well enough in that type of system before. I've got no yeah. problem with it. Yeah, and and it goes it goes back to I remember a conversation we had when uh, in one of the pods I think when we were talking about bringing in strikers and everyone was clamoring for us to bring in a striker. And we said, Oh, we haven't, we, you know, we haven't got, you know, forward players and, you know, didn't disagree with that. But I said at the time that it didn't make a difference. We could have brought in 10 forwards, but if you don't play the way, if you don't play to the strengths of having a front man up front and having a focal point, then then you find you have to you know you find a different way you don't what what's the point <laughs> you know let's bring in five strikers mm-hmm. but then not play in that way where you supply them with chances because you know we're so used to now that that and we were talking about if let's say we have that fluid front line against Sheffield Wednesday where Roberts come in for burst door so we haven't got that focal point up front but we we kind of have that system where we don't slip that person in right at the end with a with a little pass through or something. We don't look to get in behind. We play sharp passes between those players on the edge of the box and people look for one-twos rather than having that kind of poacher stand on the six-yard box. And we, we do, if we don't look for that player, there's no point in them being there. Hmm. So like you said, th- those, those players who we've brought in who are natural strikers are going to have to kind of bend to the way the, the other lads play because they're not going to look for them. Yeah. Like I said, we're, now we've got, we're, we're so far in, we've tried two strikers in that role and we haven't found them with anything. They've hardly had a sniff. So we need, we need they need to kind of bend their game to, to do something else or we have to we have to change our whole game and try and provide them with chances, which which I don't think uh, is going to happen. But, but look, I mean, look, we're, we're getting on to kind of the, the our end product but again you've got to put into the equation that yes there's there's issues we can look at from our side and the, but again we've got to come back as well to say that we played a very organized Cardiff side because they yeah, they we were completely different to the Cardiff of last season they're going to do all right this season they're going to they're yeah. going to be at least mid table maybe pushing towards our top 6 and that was without Aaron Ramsey as well who's obviously a very good player they didn't have him at all yeah. so yeah i th- i think it to be honest, you've got to you've got to give Cardiff credit for the way they came, and um, the pick their moments to slow. It, it wasn't like they were kicking us all over the pitch, and uh, you know it, it wasn't lots of really obvious time wasting like we've seen in the past. I think I just think they were really good, just really good at slowing it down when it yeah. when it made sense to slow it down. Absolutely, like right. I mentioned that one where. And he actually went off at half time, but at the time I was it looked coordinated because <laughs> we had like a we had a chance around 41, 42 minutes. I can't remember which one it was. And then all of a sudden Grant goes down. And then somebody else went down in the yeah, exact true. same manner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the other fella realized Grant was down and got straight back up. And we all turned around, well, well that was obviously coordinated, wasn't it? But had it I mean I'm I'm not saying it was, you know, it might it might not have been, but it, was. it felt like it was because <laughs> We'd had a we'd had a big spell of momentum, and then yeah. that happened. And for two or three minutes, there was nothing going on. And then it, it sucked the atmosphere out of the stadium completely. And I was sort of I was looking at it and thinking, have they seen the fact we've scored in injury time at the end of the first half in the last two games? Mm-hmm. And thought, right, when Sunderland get to that point around half time, where they might start building up a head of steam, slow them down. Let somebody go down. Get the get the physios on. Make everyone have a drinks break. You know, suck the life. It felt it felt like it was a really well worked game plan. And if it wasn't, then you know, fair enough. But it it just felt like it was. And I know Grant came off at half time, which made us think I oh, actually might have actually had an injury. But it was just the way it all happened. It, it seemed very coordinated. And like I say, yeah, fair play to them. They know that they had a they had a game plan. Lots of teams come to the stadium like with that game plan and don't execute it. Um, but they did. And, you know, I feel, I don't know about you, Chris, but I feel a little bit like this was a, when we're talking about lessons from the game and all the rest of it, I, this is very similar to the two games we've already lost this season before this one, Ipswich and Preston, where like Ballard and, and Ekwon and, and some other players were coming out after the game and saying, well, actually, we didn't think we played too badly in them games, even though we lost. 
I, like, I, I can't say the lads going in the changing room after that and kicking 10 bells of shit, shit out of each other and screaming across the changing room. I, I don't think they'll have reacted that way. I think the message coming away from it will have been, look, you need to be more clinical. Um, you need to be switched on when, when, when the moment mattered and all the rest of it. But... The, we did a lot of good stuff in the game, and that—that's the irritating thing. If we—if we'd won this game one nil, me and you would be sitting here just talking about how dominant Sunderland were, yeah. and that—that's how—that's all it was. It was—it just hinged on—it hinged on a couple of little things, really. And you know, we, we might as well talk about that goal from from Cardiff. Hume did brilliant to win the ball in the first instance. First instance, then he turns towards goal and puts it out for a corner, and you're going, "Oh, how are you, man?" He done all the hard work and he put it behind for the corner. And like I say, I turned around to my mates and I went, you just know what's coming. You just know what's coming. I, I knew it was coming. I predicted it. I said, they're going to score. Because to that point, they, they never looked like scoring Cardiff. And we made a one daft mistake to give a corner away and it just felt so obvious that it was going to happen. <laughs> and um, I've watched it. I've pulled it back a few times. It's actually quite difficult on the replay to see really what sort of went wrong. But the ball gets fired into the box and kind of just hits the lad who scores. I don't know if he actually necessarily means to nod it towards goal or anything. But it's just poor, isn't it? All round. Poor, poor to give the corner away. Poor defending on the set piece. Yeah, poor. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we talked about in midweek, we talked about the, the goal we conceded at Blackburn. And I was using the same words then. I just thought, you know, we seem to... The goals we concede we always seem to be able to point at ourselves. We always seem to shoot ourselves in the foot somehow. Like it's, it's from, it's from our sloppiness rather than the opposition carving us apart. And it's funny actually, because Blackburn carved us apart quite a lot, but our actually, the, the goal that they actually scored from was, uh, was from our kind of errors at the back. Um, and then it, you know, but the, the majority of the time you look at our defense and they're almost flawless. And then suddenly they'll just have these moments of just, complete brain farts where it just this and it, and, yeah. it, and it seems to end up resulting in a goal but the, the the mistake actually came from desperation because you know five minutes to go normal time and then we start taking risks because we, we think it's nil nil we've had and, and it's frustration because we've had complete domination of the game and we think we should be winning and it, it, all the players are frustrated so you know if that's you know 10 minutes gone first opening period of a game, Trey Hume knocks the ball towards the byline and he, he knocks the ball down the line and he gets rid or he tries mm-hmm. to he tries to pick a pass down the line. He would never go to Patterson, but he's trying to he's trying to go to Patterson so we've still got possession so we can try and get a goal. And it's just desperation to go the other way, the fact that he's tried to knock it back to the, to, to the keeper. And, and yeah. that's why he tries to do what he does and it goes wrong. And mm-hmm. and to be fair, Hume was getting more sloppy as the second half went on, and it, it just kind of that was a kind of accumulation of slightly going downhill in that second half. But then you know you've still got the chance after that. You go right, well you've made a mistake, right? Let's clear this corner. And it seemed like when the ball came in, and I've only seen it once or twice, but it seemed like Ballard had a chance to to get rid, and he didn't win that header. It seemed like then Hume had a chance, and he didn't win that header. And then it hit off the lad and it went in. And actually, O'Nine's mark and he seemed to be more bothered about the man and he wasn't sure where the ball was and he wasn't really marking him. If he was marking him with, you know, the ball, looking at the ball where that was, he, he, he maybe could have cleared it, but he was too busy kind of bothering with the the, the, the fellow he was marking. And yeah, I just I just think, again, I will use the same words against Blackburn, just poor all round. Um, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, shooting ourselves in the foot, and then and then after that, I mean, you're talking about you've already mentioned all the chances and how you know we we made the change after that, but we just lost our heads, and yeah, and and, and actually, you could argue you could argue a little bit that it it got a bit frantic from even with 12, 15, 20 minutes to go, we started getting a bit frantic because we were panicking because it was nil nil, and instead of sometimes just saying that's not the end of the world, even if we've dominated a game. To, to have the mentality to say, look, it's not the end of the world. It's nil-nil. We'll take a point at the end, uh, uh, worst case. But it's the sheer desperation of these players to say, well, we've played brilliant. We deserve three points. So they started getting frantic, mm. panicking a little bit, thinking they have to score. And yeah, it just got more and more frantic until until Hume did that and uh, we went behind. 
Yeah, and like I said before, it could have been worse. Um, Huggins coming off left that giant gap at left back, and uh, two of their players had really, really good chances to kill the game off. I think the first one was from Wintle. I want to say that was, I think it was the number six sitter from him. But the bigger sitter came from Tanner, who's the lad who you might remember scored the, the goal against Swansea a couple of weeks ago and got rave reviews and stuff for scoring like a, an absolute screamer in the derby match. I don't know how he missed, to be honest. It was on an absolute plate for him yeah. and um, sticks it over the bar. You know, I'm, I'm, glad, that, I'm glad that they didn't get that second goal because it would have been... It would have been a lot harder to be positive about the performance had we just kind of tossed it off like that. But, but yeah, you know, in the end, it was only one one nil, and you know, I think I think you mentioned it before, didn't you? We just we, we were kind of throwing everything at it. Yeah, at these things happen when you do that. Yeah, well, that, I wouldn't have minded too much if if that happened. It happened. I'd rather, like you said, I'd rather us throw everything at getting back into the game than just you know, kind of letting the game kind of peter out and. You know that mm. you know that we're just going to get beat, but but the, the thing is, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I might be wrong with this, but you know, I'm just looking at the kind of bits and pieces that I, that I made notes of, and I'm looking at kind of the times when Cardiff actually went forward, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> I, I, Patterson didn't have a save. I mean, I'm go, I'm talking about before they went ahead. That was the that was their only shot on target when when they yeah. scored. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. If you don't do that at the right end. If you don't at the other end, you always leave yourself, you know, susceptible to to conceding that goal to, for that one mm-hmm. half chance. A ball into the box, you miss a couple of headers, guns off someone's back. That's you know, you leave yourself open to that. And like I said, after that, I I don't mind too much, you know, that they had chances because we're it just shows the sheer desperation of us trying to trying to get a point. But um, but yeah, I I, I genuinely do think that. The, the scenario of them having the corner came out of our desperation to to come out of the game with more than a point, which yeah. I, I don't, and I like that in some ways, but in other ways, we've got to control it because it ended up meaning we lost. Yep. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's do some three word reviews and then maybe some questions because we've got quite a few of those from from the listeners, the root report followers on X. I'm going to call it X. I keep saying this every week, Twitter or whatever it's called. It's called X these days. So, uh, But yeah, three-word reviews. So David, he says, smash and grab. Aiden112, Sunderland being Sunderland. Tim says, wasn't our day. Chiz, not clinical enough. Steve N, such is life. George says, take our chances. Jack Redmond says, why sub Job? Uh, Paul Anson, cue the meltdown. Uh, Ian High smash and grab another one of those Hazy find the striker Uh, Jay not rotating backfired that's an interesting one Uh, we haven't really touched on that but we we did think that he was going to rotate when we were talking in the preview maybe because Mowbray's mentioned about doing it a lot of games coming up pick the same team I I mentioned it uh, earlier that I I was surprised that he went with the the same starting 11 Mm -hmm. I would have thought uh, you know it it was an ideal chance for him to say to you know, people like Barr, even though he's been playing well, look, you've played a lot of games, bring Roberts in, um, bring Oshish in even, you know, give, mm. you know, give people a, give people a rest. It's hard well, to do that after winning though, isn't it? I think, I think that's the manager's, the manager struggles, that he, he's going to struggle to drop players when, when we've won games and played well. Yeah, you're I right. Look, I think that's a symptom of that. You'll, you'll find it a lot easier to rotate on Friday, put it that way. Yeah, you're right. And it's, and it's you know, it's easy for us to say in hindsight, you know, because we, we know what happened in the game. But having said that, we did mention it after, you know, after the Blackburn game, because a lot of them looked absolutely knackered after that game. Hmm. Alan Jones says, horrid sucker punch. Chris Day says, they defended well, which is obviously something you've touched on quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Marjoram says, not our day. John Ridley, tempo not there. Connor, no cutting yeah, edge. That's Kingy, a good show. Yeah, tempo. Kingy, missing, proven scorer. Alcom, Alcom. <laughs> yeah. Andrew Malcolmson says, shoot on sight. Go on. Just on that, that proven goal scorer, we could have had a 30 goal a season striker in that team, but, would he have had a touch of the ball? Yeah, that's, that's true, isn't it? Uh, James Jelly says smash and grab. Jonathan Bestford says much better away. Yeah, let's, let's just play every game away. I think it would be be better. And and my my mate with a shit home record isn't allowed to go then because he doesn't do it's, away. It's it's it's. I'm not sure. It's it, well, you're right about away, but it's it, it ties in with how teams play against us because 
mm-hmm. you look at you look at the difference between Southampton who thought, right, well, we're gonna attack Sunderland and leave loads of space and we punish them. So yeah. if teams give us a bit of space, if teams now watch the likes of Cardiff and how they're defended, we're gonna have we're gonna see a lot of this type of game. Yeah, well, yeah. It's it, to be honest, we've seen a lot of this for a yeah. good few years yeah, now. But it's it, it, yeah. Um, Owen Sarah go again Friday. Michael Bowers move on to Friday. Keith C they got lucky. The SAFC Bible wasn't our day. Stephen Buston says frustratingly blunt display. Tony Home says the bubble burst. Oh, um, already. I'll, I'll end on okay. this one from Mark Chisholm, who says totally dry bummed. There we go. Um, uh, questions, know. you know. I didn't read. I didn't read any swear words out today for the people who w- listen with their kids. Right, question. We've got loads of these, so unfortunately, we're not going to get through all of them. But we will try and do as many as we can, as quickly as we can. So we'll, we'll not dwell on every one of them for ages. James has asked, "How class was Bellingham today? Undeserved hook for him. Also, do you think because we've got so much quality through the middle now, it's making it harder to exploit the game like we struggled to today? Two banks of four, and we were forced to through the middle instead of stretching them." Yeah, well, I thought. I mean, I saw Bar hugging the the touchline um, as as usual, but um, even you're talking about the the wide areas and Cardiff knew that. I mean, all you need to do is watch that Blackburn game and how good Clark was. And they doubled up. They knew they knew what they were doing. Yeah. They doubled up on him, and uh, they got a bit of success when Huggins joined in. So he had a bit of a he had a dummy run down down the line, so he could actually cut inside. Um, but if he was on his own and Huggins hadn't getting up there to support him, he, he did struggle because Cardiff, like I said, they, they yeah. always had two men on him. So you know whether it was out wide today or through the middle, I just think Cardiff had a plan, and uh, and yeah, we just we just didn't break them down. Yeah, there was two or three times where Clark managed to skip through, didn't he? And but it was it was few and far between. It wasn't like that game the other day where he was just doing it because he had he had so much room. And that's maybe one of the instances where although Huggins was one of our best players, it's one of those instances where maybe we're better with Circan on the pitch because Circan is the left footed player can get round the outside and 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 cause different problems. Um, but it, I, th- I think I think what the guys just said there is true. It's difficult against two banks of four yeah. to just. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've said th- that. It's yeah. just you know, it, it it is what it is. You know, and not every team's going to play like that against us. But I think a fair few will. Yeah, but for me, I mean, the Huggins thing wasn't necessarily that him getting on the ball. It was if you go back to the amount of times Mickey Gray used to do shuttles running past Alan Johnson, not getting the ball. But it meant Alan Johnson could cut inside in his right foot, and it's exactly the same here. Like all yeah. all. all Jack Clark needs is a runner to take one of the players out, and he he can do the rest. But uh, and and every time Clark got a bit of joy today, it was because Huggins was was on his bike running past him. Mm-hmm. We've had a couple, and I don't want to read them all out, but we've had you know a few about Patterson criticisms, and I I, I do want to address this because it's something we noticed and maybe wasn't picked up on the camera, and maybe you know people in the ground didn't see it. A lot of people criticising his kicking and maybe his position for the goal. Um, but for most of the second half, he was holding his back. He was really struggling with his back. I don't know whether he got he got a knock going up for a, for a long ball or whatever. I don't know what happened, but he was he was definitely hurt. It was noticeable. It was visible. He was bent over whenever whenever the ball was down the other end of the pitch. He was bent over, double trying to stretch it out. Um, he looked really uncomfortable. And it wasn't so uncomfortable that we had to make a change. But I'm just wondering. You know, people are talking about his kicking and some of some of the other bits and pieces. I wonder if he played with a bit of a knock there, a bit of an injury. Um, he certainly looked like to me from where I was sat because he was holding his back all all of that second half. Mm. Um, and I hope it's nothing serious. Um, but but Gav Butler's asked, you know, is Bishop a real challenge to his position? I mean, it's an interesting one because he's he's been given a contract this week, and it's very clear who the number one is. But Bishop's came from Man United, where he was right through preseason. He was playing in pre until they signed. That absolute knacker they've got who they paid a fortune for. I forget his name. He must be Onana. Onana. I'm look, I'm looking at him and think, bloody hell. But um he was he was playing in pre-season for Man U, so he's not came here just to make the numbers up. He's he's came here hoping to challenge and we're out the cups, so it's a bit difficult for him to make an impression. Um but is he a real challenge to that position, do you think? I said that um, in pre-season on a prod when he when he first came in. He, he hasn't. We haven't convinced him to come to Sunderland to sit on the bench. Like we haven't said, "Oh, look at what uh, Alex Bass did last season. That's going to be you." I mean, he he hasn't come in to do that. And he, he'll have been told that Patterson's the number one, but 
if you know shows the business in training and and all this sort of stuff that he can he can get a chance. But he hasn't he hasn't come from Man United just to kind of settle sitting on the bench for a season. I mean he's he's got a he's going to be pushing Patterson and it's got to keep Patterson on his toes. But I mean I think it's slightly unfair just to you know. <laughs> if Patterson was uh, slightly uncomfortable and basically he had nothing to do except a corner that bounced off someone's back and went into the corner, slightly harsh. Yeah, we'll bounce through some of these as we round off. Uh, John Wilson says, absolutely fine margin, smash and grab by Cardiff. Agree with Gav that we don't need a Joel Royal type of centre forward. And he says he's showing his age with that one. Uh, <laughs> that would only disrupt our technical approach. I do think him, yeah, is most likely to fit the bill from early signs, although... We've yet to see everyone. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Um, you know, I, I actually think Rusin might be from the, from the little I've seen, maybe the most suited to to maybe playing that role. But yeah, I think it's going to be a case of as the story of the season develops, we're going to end up working out that really we need a we need a technician in that position. I think rather than a than a than a big bully up there who's going to hold the ball up because it's just not the way we play. Yeah. Um, Peter Buster says, after getting our first glimpse of Rusin today, I think he might prove a better fit with our existing players and that the more physical cent- uh, than the bigger, more physical centre forwards. Strikes me that he might be a better Lincoln player here. Yeah. Again, you know, a lot of people saying that based on what they saw. Daryl Grace says, find out what lads are ready for Monday and then smash Wednesday on the Friday. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, we've had a few of these where people have just basically, you know, chalked it up to just being one of those days. When Sarah says, uh, just one of those mental championship games, we didn't do a lot wrong and it never seems to fall for us. Always likely to be a problem fixture. I, th- I just find that funny that he said it never seems to fall for us after the Blackburn game the other day yeah, yeah. where we were absolutely <laughs> battered and shouldn't have won and end up winning 3-1. But, you know. Uh, maybe it feels like that sometimes when you don't get your own way. Um, Shane Hagen says, there is no need to panic. We dominated yeah. and we had more than enough chances to win the game. As smash and grab as they come onto Chef Wed. I think that's fair enough. You know, there's going to be a lot of that. I, I, I think that'll definitely be the message emanating out of the camp. They're not going to dwell too much on this. They're going to be thinking about Chef Wed tomorrow. And, you know, the, hopefully Chef and we're, we're going to have a preview about Chef Wed before the game, but... Hopefully they hang on their manager till till match day because um, <laughs> they're all over the place. I, I'd really fancy, even just based on what I saw today, Chris, I fancy just to batter them. Uh, there's nothing, I've, I haven't came away from today and been particularly worried about anything. I think there seems to be a big theme of this as we go through the comments. There's lots of people just, you know, uh, disappointed, yes, but not panicking. Yeah, I was surrounded by Wednesday fans earlier today and uh, they, I mean, some of them are season ticket holders who were, refusing to to go at the match now because it's that bad. Um, they want the manager out, they want the owner out. I was even winding them up that saying Warnock's going to be in charge in a few weeks um, and they didn't like that uh, too much. <laughs> thought, Do you know what it is? He would he would keep them up. Oh, no, but they can't stand him. So, the, you know, would, yeah. yeah. And I said it was either him or Wilder. So the, I, I think they've stopped talking to us now. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, let's hope uh, he's still in charge because I, th- I just, yeah, well, well, we'll see. But, uh, but I mean, just going back... Um, just talking about you know that uh, talking about this week and uh, that there was a message there to say you know not the end of the world, absolutely right. You know it was a good performance on paper, but just looking at these last two games, you're looking at Blackburn away and Cardiff at home. If we'd gone to Blackburn, rode it out, you know under pressure, got a draw, and we ended up battering Cardiff at home, and we got four points, everyone would be saying happy days, brilliant, fantastic, mm-hmm. and actually we're only we're only a point worse off than that. <laughs> and yes, it's frustrating because we were so good and we dominated. But still, you know, it's you know we, we beat Blackburn against all odds, really, c- considering how the game went. So if you put it in that sort of terms and say, well, you know, out of the two games, what would you expected? Yeah, four points would have been good. We got three, so it's you know, it's not too bad. We're on yeah. the right track. Yeah, we've had lots of questions, topics and, and messages and all the rest of it, and I can't read them all out, but I think, to be honest, in the main, we've covered off pretty much everything that's been asked anyway. So hopefully you've got your question answered, topic discussed and all the rest of it. Thanks, everyone, who sent in the three-word reviews. Before we go, I just want to mention again about the book. If you haven't pre-ordered the book yet that we've got coming out, make sure you do. It's SEFC365. It's a book about everything, really. There's a different article for every day of the year detailing something which has happened in the club's history over the god knows how many years it is since we uh <laughs> we were formed i'm not going to get into that 
I'm not going to get into that discussion today. Um, but yeah, you need to go pre-order that from the Love Supreme website. The link for the book and the pre-order link is in uh, every article on our website right at the top. So make sure you you do that. The £10, all of the profit yeah. goes to Southern Community Soup Kitchen. And Chris is dying to say something. Yeah, go on, Four, 400 pages for 10 English pounds. I mean, it's just a, it's just a no-brainer, isn't it? It is. Four hundred pages, and there's a and there's a there's a cheeky forward from from Peter Reid, who was good enough to yeah. provide us a, a bit for the book. So um, so yeah, I mean it's a you know four hundred pages for ten quid bargain. Exactly, bargain, bargain, bargain. So yeah, make sure you buy that, and uh, we're going to be back with a preview before Chef Wed. It's a big game, and they're shite, and <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to it, despite what's happened today. I think I think this has been cathartic. Hopefully, it's been cathartic for all of you uh hopefully it was cathartic for you chris no i'm still miserable no nope. <laughs> still miserable nope. i know but you've got you've got this full week now with all these all these wednesday fans that you know you can just sort of build <sighs> the game up can't you and I know, but hopefully I'll... rub it in come the weekend so you, you know you could be it, it could either be a really good week or a really shit week um, for you i've been big enough up so if we don't get a result at wednesday um i'm, never, <laughs> I'm not showing me face around here for all <laughs> cheers mate thanks for joining us thanks to the listeners we will like to say be back so we'll see you then hi this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.